0: Welcome into another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you. Thanks for joining us as we release this one a day early. Recording on Wednesday, October nineteenth in the afternoon. Hello, Justin. Hello, Mister Hatch. How are you uh, doing? Well, I mean, as always, a little tired. No nap today, but you know, we we make do with what we have. It seems every week.
1: It's the story of adulting. A little tired.
0: Yeah, especially when you get up at 6 a.m. Yes.
1: <laughs> Tough.
0: Yeah. It, we, but we're grinding we it through it. So you don't have to.
1: We do it because we
0: love you. Yes. All right. Well, this week on the show, a lot of, lot of good rumors to get to. Uh, in fact. Spicy rumors. Yeah, Silly season. F1 stuff uh, between F1 drivers to IndyCar. IndyCar drivers participating. And FP1s, all that uh, to come ahead. HMD announces their 67th and 68th entries (laughs) in Indy Lights. Well, not quite, but it feels like it. Um, So plenty to discuss, along with some cool um, testing uh, opportunities for IndyCar past and present drivers. And an update on Nashville, both with the current track layout and the future of the event and Marco Andretti will be back for the Indy 500 in 2023 as well that's all to come this week we start though with some silly season updates and rumors so I got a message from IndyCar Deep Throat the other day saying uh, Latifi coming to IndyCar next year 100% confirmed to IndyCar 90% confirmed to Chip Ganassi Racing Latifi has had talks with Chip Dale Coyne, Zach Brown and Bobby Rahal In fact, Ray Hall considering getting Latifi to replace Jack if he would pay out Jack's contract, that was apparently a rumor. Um, But then we get this from Marshall Pruitt of racer.com. A lot of good stuff in here. We start, though, with Nicholas Latifi, the F1 driver for Williams. Look, this has kind of felt like it's been a rumor on the back burner for a while, so this is not a major surprise. But one would think him going to Ganassi, essentially replacing... Uh, the seat vacated by Jimmy Johnson in a full-time entry that shores up that question mark on the grid.
1: It does. And I think it also with what we're hearing with Jimmy Johnson, basically right now will be an Indy 500 only ride for Jimmy Johnson is what we understand as of right now, you know, Nicholas Latifi, people are going to kind of roll their eyes based on his performance in formula one, but a look at the team he's with, of course, with Williams, Williams, but also look at where he's from in Canada and being another potentially popular driver to come out of Canada for IndyCar I think it's good for IndyCar fans and the IndyCar base to try to get some standout guys from Canada you have David Malukas and now you have potentially Nicholas Latifi and
0: well, no Devin, Devin De Francesco, excuse <laughs> me
1: but when you look at at Nicholas Latifi's career actually ran Think it was a test or something with F2000 at some point or Indy Pro 2000, something like that at some point. So it's not completely been all F1 for Latifi, but will definitely be an adjustment period for him. If he indeed heads to IndyCar.
0: So we expect him in IndyCar. The likely landing spot is Ganassi. In fact, Marshall. So we had this rumor last week about Chip Ganassi racing set to have a test. Uh, that was scheduled for October 18th, so Tuesday. Uh, That was supposed to be Latifi testing during that break between Japan and then the race this weekend for F1 at Coda. That one was postponed. Uh, Marshall says Latifi's camp also reached out to Andretti Autosport. No room for him there. Um, But he says he expects more than a few drivers, including some Formula 2 talent, will be exploring their options uh, to join the defending any 500 winners so that's latifi is the the first guy in mind and look i think it's easy like you said to say well he hasn't been that successful but look at marcus erickson right he didn't have success in f1 Correct. he was just a, a back marker on the grid team and he's been a really solid driver especially the last two seasons and you look
1: at Latifi, and maybe a concern if you are looking at it and saying the quality of driver he is is the fact that he's never won a championship in any discipline, and that includes F4, F3, F2, and then, of course, Formula 1. So that would be a definite concern for folks. Even when you looked at Marcus Erickson, he was able to win in his junior Formula days, and also, so I think a Formula 3 championship. So is that a concern with Nicholas Latifi? Maybe. is Are people's opinions of him because of him underperforming in Formula 1? Maybe. But he would at least be a North American driver coming into the series. And anytime you can add some Canadian drivers, I think is a good thing. Particularly as you look to build up potential interest for another race In the north
0: yes and look toronto event having a well-known established canadian driver again on the grid which they used to have two with hinchcliffe and wickens for a brief time but i mean that would be big for that event it was good to see that event return but it just feels like it's always up in the air but this maybe could be something that would help kind of make the the loosens a little tighter for that toronto event and like you said Eventually get a a second race in Canada, which I think between that and a race in Mexico should be top priorities for the series, obviously, along with adding more oval tracks as races on the schedule. But those should be kind of in your top three things to do schedule wise.
1: Well, we know that Latifi brings money, and that is a key aspect, even with Chip Ganassi racing, particularly with the story that we read from Marshall Pruitt in an update on Silly Season Which sounds as if NTT is gone from Chip Ganassi Racing. And it is now with Arrow McLaren, which um, makes that relationship even more spicy between Zach Brown and Chip Ganassi.
0: Yeah, I saw this rumor the other day and I'm like, no way. But NTT Data apparently is going to move from the number 10 car driven by Alex Blow to Arrow McLaren SP. Now, you have to remember that they're on the F1 cars for McLaren. uh, That is true. So that part makes sense. As a sponsor, it happened for, for several years. I think yeah. you go back to, I think, 2019 and that was announced. Uh, Marshall says both teams aren't interested in talking about it. Plan was for NTT to move to AMSP with Pillow. Despite the driver's side of that deal being nixed, the commercial side went forward. NTT will reunite with Felix Rosenquist, the former driver at Chip Ganassi Racing, in that car for approximately one-third of the season as multiple sponsors rotate as the primary on the car in 2023. So that's the update there. And well, man.
1: yeah, with NTT, the, the, how it comes back to Latifi is with NTT leaving and Carvana unknown, but we expect not much in the way of activation comparatively to what we had with Jimmy Johnson, because Jimmy's not going to be on the grid is this is a team that probably could use an infra infusion of cash. And it sounds like Nicholas Latifi would bring that not saying that he wouldn't have been hired. Otherwise, but he's definitely a driver that may not have the results to get you excited in terms of him joining the IndyCar paddock, but he definitely brings a check, and that's good news for Chip Ganassi.
0: Yeah, it would make that entry perhaps the best funded in the series. I mean, you could look at it that way, maybe outside of the Aaron McLaren SP cars. Potentially, sure. I mean, I feel like he brings a a huge chunk of cash and that was always a factor of this. Look, it's racing. This is how this works. You need sponsors or you need money to keep that entry going. And Chip Ganassi and the team have said all along, oh yeah, we're going to keep that entry going. We just know who the driver would be. Well, now we at least have some sort of clue of the, the possibility of Latifi slotting into that seat. Not that this is a huge surprise, but I think this is the first kind of big shoe to drop of the remaining seats left the fact that nct data leaving to mclaren just adds some spiciness to it all
1: another layer to the rivalry between ganassi and mclaren definitely and that leaves us with what two cars let's say latifi is in yeah and it sounds fairly certain i know david land with motorsport is even more confident in going on the record to say that's happening but with what we see now in the paddock what is left? It's the coin car and the Hunkos car, correct?
0: Yes, so with the coin car, so this is interesting. We just thought, okay, Takuma Sato will be back full-time. But Pruitt's saying that Sato will be back in a modified role. Last update, it was full-time, part-time, and indie only as options, but now it seems uh, the scenario would be Sato apparently doing the ovals and then they'd have Maybe another driver in place, but there's nothing really set in stone. So Sato could run five races, possibly the number 19 car for Coin with Rickware Racing. And then the 51 car would be uh, wide open to pair with David Malukas. So some names, and look, these guys have tested. This is not a surprise. Marcus Armstrong in New Zealand is mentioned as the top candidate. Daniel Frost had an impressive test as well uh, last week at Sebring. He's another candidate. But between those drivers, I mean, that seems to be the option. And uh, and look, all along, I thought Armstrong would be a good fit for Hunkos. Uh, apparently, he's close friends with Callum Eilat. But Marshall like Pruitt's saying not that's anywhere. not going anywhere. So, outside of that, so you have Sato part-time, maybe ovals only, and then in, in a third car, potentially, Correct. or... I don't know how they make that work engine lease wise. I guess it wouldn't be a full season because that's kind of been the issue with Honda. But then with Hunkos, a Chevy team, uh, Stingray Rob is mentioned by Pruitt. He ran in lights with Hunkos a couple of years ago, but then split off to join Andretti. And Pruitt says, you know, having to work that out is clearly something in motion. Um, You have to figure that out. And then Pruitt teases a few other nuggets out there right now, including one significant driver adjustment that's in the works. And that will be for the next update. But that's where we stand with those silly season items as of right now.
1: So some more to fill in, some more behind the scenes negotiating, and we'll find out. But here we are sitting mid-October, excuse me, and basically only two seats up for grabs. But it's encouraging that... Instead of part-time seats or road and street packages as opposed to oval only and trading in and out of the seat, it looks like both Ganassi and Dale Coyne will go with the full-time option and then supplement their team's lineup with Jimmy Johnson and Takumo Sato as circumstances dictate.
0: And then let's not forget, Hunkos, we expect that to be a full-time entry in we the do, 78 yes. car. And then there's also the possibility of Simona De Silvestro running road and street course races with Ed Carpenter racing, uh, and then Ed Carpenter running the ovals with that car, and then you would assume that Simona would also run the Indy 500 as part of that deal, and they're very much working on that. So that's kind of where we stand, plus Marco Andretti as an Indy 500-only entry for Andretti Autosport as he's back. So things are filling out pretty quickly on the grid here, and we just have a couple of full-time seats left.
1: It's all coming into place, and could you be? Would you be surprised if the field is "quote unquote" set by Thanksgiving, Christmas?
0: Yeah, I think by Christmas, I could see the full-time field set. Absolutely. Which,
1: wow, what a concept,
0: huh? Yeah. It, it after last silly season started like so far in advance of anything we had ever expected. I, I mean, one that's a good thing, but also it just shows these last couple of off seasons. The timeline has moved much further forward we're not getting tba entries going into the first race weekend like we used to see
1: which is encouraging in terms of budgets in terms of money being available a lot of instances when we have tbas are trying to find money trying to put together a budget trying to get sponsorship if we can lock in this field before the new year that's encouraging in the sense that you know the money is there people aren't scrambling people aren't trying to dig up checks and find cash It's all coming together. That's a good sign of health for the series if that
0: happens. Meanwhile, in Indy Lights, uh, that's where things got crazy silly in the last couple of days. First off, we have Ernie Francis Jr., who is confirmed in Indy Lights, back with Force Indy. However, this time, they will partner with... HMD Motorsports under the Force Indy banner for the 99 car and then Miles Rowe will advance to USF Pro 2000 the new name more on that in a bit uh, with Pabst Racing the team he was with most of last season so first off for Ernie Francis Jr. he'll continue with HMD and the crew will be provided by Force Indy is the way I understand it and so this will be a great opportunity look he's with the big team now. Yep, in lights. He'll have the the data and the support. So instead of running as a one-car team entry, he'll use mechanics from the Force Indy program, but I'm sure that will mean sharing a lot of data, which will help him hopefully make a huge jump in year two in lights. Well, and this
1: is a pivotal year for him because all aims and all expectations are he's on the grid somewhere for the Indianapolis 500 in 2024. And hopefully he can show out and properly earn that spot that seat maybe he can turn it into an IndyCar championship and get that scholarship and and go into IndyCar with some backing financially this is a huge year heading into 2023 for him we'll see how it comes together because he is as you mentioned with a team that has fully over half of the full-time drivers in the field so there'll be no lack of support for him
0: meanwhile with HMD they had several announcements uh this week As well, some of the other announcements that they had, Josh Pearson into a multi-year campaign with HMD. Now, he is not set to run full-time with this deal, but a multi-year deal for him, that's the way this has been uh, written. So, he'll participate in testing coming up at IMS this weekend. More on that in a second. Uh, Elsewhere, drivers announced for this team, Rasmus Lind, back with support from Garage XYZ C-Joins so HMD Motorsports with Dale Quinn Racing look it just they have 9 cars they said eight they have nine 9 of They're 16 right not. yes
1: which you you hope that HMD's around for a while let's say you took and this is the thing about growth and look any type of growth is good but let's say HMD went from 9 to 3 cars then you take it down to what 11 full-time drivers full-time cars, So you're really leaning a lot on HMD to prop this series up in terms of increased car counts. It's good. Hopefully it continues, but I don't see a long-term business plan for HMD where they're consistently supporting eight, nine Indy lights cars. I just don't think that's realistic, particularly as they look to grow and jump up into IndyCar car.
0: Yes. I think that's the thing. They say they have a two car Indy car team to start out. You know, not in 2023, but in 2024, you'd think that the lights operation would take a a lesser role. Now, lights is a lot cheaper, and it seems like they've made some changes to at least attract more entries. However, they've also seemed to make it harder for guys and gals to advance to IndyCar based on the winnings that are paid out.
1: And this is very much for 2023, eight or nine drivers, whatever it is right now, but the crews as well. And HMD is looking to develop these crews for its IndyCar program for 2024 and beyond. So that's a big impact and big reason why you see so many HMD cars entered is because they want to get these crew crew members and teams experience in working with these cars and working in the series before they jump up to the big leagues in IndyCar. So it's a growing experience throughout for HMD. It's going to be good for 2023, but don't expect this amount of cars every single year from HMD going forward.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would not expect that to continue the way that it's set up, but that's where we stand with that. So then you have the new names for the road to Indy. that A change announced as well as their schedule is out. So it's no longer the... Road to Indy, it is USF Pro 2000, USF 2000, and USF Juniors, which is essentially the, the lowest rung Correct. of the ladder, kind of the introductory series, but schedule out, so USF Pro 2000 will take part in any car Weekends at St. Pete, plus they'll do the IMS road course as well, along with Road America, Mid-Ohio, uh, Toronto... Then they'll also have a race at Coda, and plus they'll take part in the Portland IndyCar Weekend. Then you look at USF 2000, again, St. Pete, IMS Road Course, Road America, Mid-Ohio, Toronto, and Portland. Then USF Juniors uh, will compete at Sebring Barber, Virginia International Raceway, Mid-Ohio, Road America, and Coda as well. So interesting schedule, able to get a, a good mix of tracks on there. But this name change, look, it's <laughs> I am I think people are already confused since it's split off, since Indie Lights is no longer right. part of it. And Indie Lights, the name may change yet. Obviously, Firestone Tires instead of Cooper, like uh, the other series on the ladder, will have. But who was
1: the genius that thought USF 2000 and USF Pro 2000 was a good idea in terms of names? So close together.
0: Well, they just wanted similar branding, I think.
1: I guess, but how do you differentiate from the other when they're almost the exact same name? I understand your point. Maybe that's not a goal. I don't know. But if we talk about USF 2000 and USF Pro 2000, man, that's a mouthful, and they sound exactly alike outside of one word.
0: USF Pro Championships is now the name we're supposed to refer to for the three series that uh, that are run by Anderson Promotions. Okay. So there we have it. Uh, probably
1: will rarely use that. I will still use road Indy. Sorry, <laughs> not sorry.
0: Completely understand. So that's all the updates on stuff on the ladder. Okay. IndyCar F1. A lot of times we talk Nicholas Latifi. Now let's talk uh, some other cool opportunities, some cool happenings. So first off, Alex Pillow. This came down late last week. He will be participating in FP1 with McLaren in for Daniel Ricciardo's car at Coda this weekend. And then it will be Pato Award in for Lando Norris at Abu Dhabi coming up a bit later on in the season. And something that was interesting about this test, so Nathan Brown, the Indy Star, had a one-on-one with Alex Pillow. Apparently when they did the the recent test award in Pillow, they didn't even know the the testing times (laughs) compared to each other.
1: Well, I guess I was surprised at first, but then again I'm thinking, well, that's probably something they want to keep – close to the chest and see who was better. I would think that they would tell the drivers too, but I guess not.
0: Yeah. They were not informed of the none of differences in the time, which hmm. I, I get it. You, you want the data, the, the time not important, especially because it's the TPC program. So it's a little bit different. And let's also not forget that Logan Sargent, who I know he at least had a seat fit. I can't remember if he had an actual IndyCar test.
1: I never thought he turned a wheel on in IndyCar. I, I know he had
0: a seat fit, for sure. Uh, yeah, I don't think and he did And I think it. that was with Foyt a couple of years ago. Uh, well,
1: that was when there was a lot of discussion with, with him potentially joining Foyt, but then ended up having an opportunity to be a reserve driver, right?
0: Yes. So he will be making his FP1 debut at Coda this weekend as well for Williams. So congrats to him, the uh, young American who's had a really good season in F2 and maybe could move up to F1. You know, not next year at this point, but maybe in 2024.
1: He looked like a guy that was all out of opportunities in Europe and was able to get a reserve seat, went back to F2, and now has a pretty decent shot of at some point getting an F1 ride. And congratulations to Logan. We'll see him in FP1 this weekend at Coda.
0: And Lee Diffie pointing out first American driver to take part in an FP1 In seven years, so that would be, what, Alexander Rossi, I believe. I believe so, yeah. So it's been quite some time. And then, what does this mean for Colton Herta? I I think we're all surprised that he didn't get any future tests as part of his McLaren TPC testing deal, but it it sounds like there's nothing on the schedule as far as F1 tests. Zach Brown telling Marshall Prude of Racer.com. It's not clear to me yet what Colton's long-term plans are. Uh, They do not have more tests scheduled for Colton. Hmm. Hard to believe this all happened the way that it did, and then suddenly he's shut out after testing for the team back in July.
1: Yeah, something's going on behind the scenes with that. Who knows what it is? Is it a guy that at this point has said, if it happens, it happens, but I'm going to focus on IndyCar? I don't know. Maybe. Potentially. Is he... Is he tired of being given the runaround and getting opportunities and thinking he's going and then not going? And is he just frustrated and maybe wants to wait it out a little bit before he ventures into getting in a seat again in Formula One for any type of test or TPC run or whatever? I, I don't know. But kind of surprising. I don't think this means that all avenues are closed for Colton Herta in the immediate future in Formula One, but a little bit interesting as well when Pillow's going to get some time, Award's going to get some time, I'm not Colton herda.
0: and then we mentioned earlier Marco Andretti will be back with Andretti Autosport for the Indy 500 will be the number 98 Cooler Tech Honda same car he had last year so we'll see kind of struggled finished what 22nd I believe in the race so we'll see if he can put together a good race remember championship winning driver Marco Andretti yes sir SRX series champion yes sir all right, let's get to uh the I think the article you sent me that I was very excited about. Controversial move, I'm sure, but we love it. Nashville layout to remain unchanged for 2023, yeah, new stadium baby. looming at the article on racer.com. So you sent me this, I think it was like an Axios Sports article that the Titans are looking at building a new dome stadium and a deal for that could be imminent. So the New stadium would be east of the current stadium constructed on the area, basically, where the IndyCar paddock has been located. The worst possible place, The final corners are located, yes. So it would basically be right next to the current stadium. Correct. To put it plain and simple. So obviously for next year, this wouldn't be a problem, but it would require a new layout for 2024. Now, if I'm not mistaken, though, the Nashville GP the third year that's the final year of the current contract
1: yeah, and you are a bit pessimistic on the long-term viability of this event and you've been talking about the crowd and you were there boots on the ground for both years right
0: yeah huge crowd year one which is to be expected yeah year two weather I think had quite a bit of an impact uh, it was rainy especially on race day some stands were packed other stands were a ghost town it was right. confusing and I think a lot of people went the first year at least in Nashville because it was one of those, you know, you wanted to be seen at the event kind of thing, which I'm talking about local residents in Nashville. Sure. But IndyCar fans traveled. And I think outside of us and maybe a few others, it feels like a lot of people hated the carnage and the crash fest that it was. was I I enjoyed it because it was a different different kind of race both years. I thought it was entertaining. Um, and I just I don't know if that turned off a lot of the, the purists in the bunch because attendance was way down. Now, granted, weather was an impact. So you have to think about that. But it's expensive to run these street course events. And year two is supposed to be like the, the year where you're really getting some momentum. And yes, they had, I'm sure, tons of corporate support and all that. But you got to remember, this is a, a privately run event and a private group doing all this that, that are investors. I guess I just, I don't feel very confident past 2023, especially if the crowd stays the same or goes down from what it was this year.
1: Definitely going to be a pivotal year for three, for the Nashville grand prix with attendance, because you're basically going to have to hit reset in terms of your track layout. Once this new stadium is be, begins construction and it won't be ready. I don't think until what the mid 2020s, but it's going to be under construction for, for, year and a half two years potentially so you won't even have the stadium up but you'll have all sorts of construction going on and detours and construction equipment having to get in there and it'll just be an absolute mess so indycar is going to have to figure it out and the promoters for the gp figure out what they're going to do because after constructing this unique track that some people love and some people hate you're basically effectively going to have to hit reset and i'm sure some people are happy about that because they may have to get rid of the bridge aspect, which people point to as one of the main culprits in a lot of the carnage coming off the bridge at least.
0: Yeah. We'll see how this plays out, but if this gets approval, look, I I just, I get, they can modify the course, but it seems like this will make it nearly impossible to make it work.
1: I don't know what the alternatives are. I imagine they're already looking into alternatives and probably were before once the discussions for the stadium were ongoing. It's a big city. There's probably plenty of options you have, but the important thing is is it wanted? Is the event wanted? And that's what makes year three so important.
0: And look, the the Titans are doing a dome stadium, plain and simple. They want to be able to host a Super Bowl. That's what everybody wants to. College football do. playoff, final four, and even more concerts. That's Along with hosting the Tennessee Titans, obviously, and that, for us, that's, that's why they do that, right?
1: And for us locally, so many people are like, well, "Why is all these? Why are these uh, teams and all these cities building dome stadiums?" It's precisely why. And Lucas Oil Stadium was at least at the forefront of it. And yeah, it had the RCA Dome before that, but Lucas Oil Stadium was really so aesthetically pleasing and nice they were able to get a super bowl they have the big 10 championship game they've had the college football playoff they've had the final 4 and so it's been a tremendous success for indianapolis to invest in a dome in a stadium that is able to house all those and you look at chicago and their new stadium will likely be domed for that same reason you're looking at tennessee and nashville that now want to do the very same thing and bring these events to nashville this is the play right now in cities that have major league franchises, particularly NFL franchises, is build a stadium that works in all v- weather conditions, and that goes for the for the East and Midwest in particular, and be, al- be able to host some of these cold weather events when otherwise you wouldn't be able to.
0: Well, for example, would this give Nashville then the opportunity to host the SEC championship game?
1: That's a great point. Over Atlanta. I would throw it in the conversation. I think it would bid for it. When you look at Atlanta, New Orleans, I'm sure would be in the conversation. I don't know when's the last time they hired, they held an sec championship game. It's probably been for a while, but at the very least you can land some premier early season in college football, some, some neutral site games, some kickoffs games that you have in the first week or two of the season. So it's definitely an absolute money maker for a city to have a stadium that, that can house all of those events, and we see it in our own backyard here with Lucas Oil Stadium in Indy.
0: So, for the record, SEC Championship game the first two years played at Legion Field in Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, I bet that was riveting. And then ever since, it has been either at the Georgia Dome in Atlanta or the now new stadium, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. So those are the only locations.
1: Really? So who knows? Uh, doesn't sound like they would move from Atlanta at this point.
0: Possibly. But would, would they? Nashville be that draw?
1: I don't know. If you, if you can't, if I'm sure New Orleans has tried to get it. If they can't get it, then why do you think Nash- Nashville is going to get it?
0: Well, New Orleans, it's probably a lot schedule-wise, not just for NFL, but also hosting the Sugar Bowl. Whereas with Tennessee, you know, they wouldn't have that bowl tie-in implication. Yes, Music City Bowl? Music City Bowl. But, I mean, it's not as big of, <laughs> an event correct compared to the sugar bowl
1: it definitely opens up opportunities for the city that the gp doesn't we'll just say that
0: oh absolutely so uh, enough college football talk but again building dome we could stadiums, go on and on in that one <laughs> yeah building dome stadiums you want to set up for more events unfortunately it seems like indycar quite possibly could be the uh, the odd series out in this situation with this deal which would be, again, east of Nissan Stadium, near I-24, costs up to $2.2 billion. Again, a domed stadium as part of that deal. All right, if you agree or disagree with anything we've had to say, we'd love for you to interact with us. You can find us at newtrackrecordpodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for our email list. It is free. You'll never miss an episode or any special announcements. Plus, you can always follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is IndyCarPodcast. On Facebook, just search for New Track Record. Give us a like on Instagram. Any podcast is the handle as well. You can email us, newtrackrecordpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thanks to those of you supporting us on Patreon, Track newtrackrecord. Xavier Rob, and others, thank you for your support. You can uh, be a supporter for as little as $1 per month. And as always, you can find us on your favorite podcasting platform for free Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you find your podcasts, all for free. Mailbag time and not a lot to get to. Kind of a, a slow week until everything just dropped, it seemed, all at once today.
1: Much needed because yes. we were trying to plan the the podcast wondering, yeah. what are we going to talk about?
0: Laser Disco says, I've been pondering the gap between St. Pete and Texas Motor Speedway. What about an iRacing tournament consisting of five or more tracks with real world sponsors, prices? Awards for those that compete could this also be an opportunity to try out potential future tracks.
1: I, I just feel, don't see the the benefit. The draw. The draw. I mean, I, I don't know how you're gonna get real world companies to invest in
0: I don't think video we're game there racing. yet with yeah. iRacing.
1: And I don't look, it was a boon to iRacing during the pandemic that absolutely helped for sure. But as things have returned to quote unquote normal i racing has been marginalized again. And I, I just don't see that. I don't think drivers would be willing to do it. I don't think no companies would be willing to invest into it. I, I like the idea in theory. We're just we're just not there in terms of the interest in iRacing to make that a big thing.
0: This from Vicky Lynn twenty six. Are you guys all right out there in Indiana? I heard you got an early winter. Uh yeah, it snowed it the last couple of days measurable snow
1: on monday yeah
0: like a trace
1: a trace and it was if it would have gotten an inch of snow at the airport here in fort wayne it would be the earliest measurable snow in recorded history in fort wayne but i think they got like 0.7 inches which apparently doesn't count as measurable Snow so fell three tenths of an inch short, but it was pretty wild there on Monday evening around town. Looked like mid-January in and around Fort Wayne in Northeast Indiana, and just counting our blessings that it wasn't two weeks from now with Halloween. And yeah, it would have been miserable giving out candy or taking your kids out trick or treating. That's for sure.
0: Yes, we we lucked out there because usually Halloween is when we expect the first snow
1: down there. Late October, you start getting some spits and flurries and. And some miserableness of of the weather, but came early. But it's supposed to warm back up, 70s for the weekend, so we'll enjoy it. Because, man, we got hammered over the head earlier this week with some winter weather.
0: Then she follows that up with, And that's why I live on the West Coast. LOL, stay warm, friends. Yeah, it's been cold. I'm looking forward to the warm weather.
1: And we're going to value it even more after what we've been through this week. Yeah.
0: Then this from Chris in the 6. RB still giving Latifi kickbacks with a Honda-powered engine in IndyCar. I, hmm? I, I don't know. I I don't know.
1: I don't mind Nicholas Latifi coming to IndyCar. I know people have some negative opinions of him based on his performances in Formula 1, all that, but this is the pipeline. This is the pipeline we've continued to talk about, right? With with Formula 1, you, you're spit out at the bottom of Formula 1, and then you find a home in IndyCar, and maybe he's not as sexy as a Kimi Raikkonen or something like that, which was thrown around, but I'm willing to open the door to Nicholas Latifi and see what he can do.
0: And then a few here from Poet Shevchenko. This on the USF Pro Championships presented by Cooper Tires. Pretty bold rebranding, but I think it makes the progression easy to understand. Even if someone is looking at the series for the first time. To be honest, you you add more letters to it. I think I'm slightly more confused.
1: I, I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's still calling it Pro Mazda. So we'll, <laughs> yeah. what the hell do I know? <laughs> uh,
0: also this from Poet Shevchenko talking about the Music City GP and changes. Wave the green and check her right at the 50-yard line. Also set up the new stadium to have the start-finish line go right through the center. Wouldn't that be
1: wild? Yeah. It would never happen, but it would be wild. Sounds like something like a track that would be on like Need for Speed or Gran Turismo or something.
0: And then this from Jeremy from HBG on no changes for Nashville. And it's Delora right now. It's an, a gif of... What this is from the Minions, I think, and the guy like flexing,
1: ah, yes, stretching yes, out,
0: yes. So, yeah, they're they're gonna continue to make money on that event. It, it is what it is. And then one more from poet Chevchenko. It's gonna make Force Indy and Ernie Francis Jr. more competitive, I think. And it keeps the car count up. I think Indy Lights twenty twenty three will be something to tell your friends about.
1: Hoping so, hoping to have a rooting interest for Indy Lights throughout the season, not just St. Pete weekend when I'm starving for any type of motorsport.
0: And that wraps up the mailbag. In fact, we'll shift a little bit more to the road to Indy, you know, as he mentions that. So between having Ernie Francis Jr. on a top tier team with more data to share. Also, the entry list is out for the Chris Griffiths Memorial test, which is coming up this weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. And I think this is exciting because for Indy lights, you'll have 16 drivers participating. Um, Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine from HMD. You'll have four from Andretti, including Jamie Chadwick, who we expect to hopefully land in a seat in lights. So you have quite the draw there between Ernie Francis Jr. and Jamie Chadwick, plus all the people coming back. Um, You'll have Jack Miller from not Dr. Jack Miller. I think this is his son. Really? I think so, so. not yet, Dr. Jack Miller. From my hometown of Westfield, Indiana. But Jack William okay. Miller will pr- participate with Able Motorsports. Uh, yes, this is... Yes, the son of Dr. Jack Miller. Nice. So he will be participating in the test. Uh, Hunkos will run Reese Gold. Just one car, but hopefully they'll run two in Indy Lights. But y- you look at the lights grid. I mean... Every year, we're like there are going to be so many cars, but legitimately for the first time, we're looking at 15 plus cars as a bare minimum and pushing closer to 18, 19, maybe 20 if you're really pushing it.
1: If you give me 15 full-time cars that are going to be at every single race, I'm happy. I know you'll have some part-timers here or there, but you know, as we get into the second half of the year, you have funding dry up, you have drivers that want to preserve their funding if they're not in the championship hunt to drop out. I just want to see 15 full-time cars on the grid throughout the season. If we can do that, it'll be a good year for Indy Lights.
0: Yes, we shall see how it plays out. On to uh, other news and notes items. Jenna Fryer with a few tidbits. First off, David Wilson said Toyota has told Roger Penske, not now, but not no, on becoming the third IndyCar OEM. Wilson badly wants Toyota and Lexus in the new GTP top Insta class, and win a Rolex as an overall winner. Also, in regards to Jimmy Johnson and his participation, uh, Fryer says that uh, Wilson expected NASCAR to get a current driver in the race, but weren't on the street. The lineup will be Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, and Rockefeller, which is Mike Rockefeller. Okay. As part of that NASCAR, you know, special lineup. Sure. What is it? Garage 68 or something. Yeah. Uh, Not at the like mall. Then this also from Fryer, Greg Penske. This is on new cars says we're listening. We hear everyone on any car drivers needing, wanting a new car.
1: So a little bit more open is Greg over Roger, or at least publicly. Yes.
0: talking About it. We'll see how that plays out, but those are all things. Then this from Adam Stern, which is fascinating, but the Mexico GP, a bunch of former IndyCar and kart drivers will be participating in a support race with sponsorship from Freightliner, which again, that's a Pinsky team sponsor, it is, uh-huh. mind you, to keep in mind, uh, will be participating in this in this race at Autojomo Hermanos Rodriguez, and it's a lot of names you would recognize. Paul Tracy, for example... Uh, Casey Mears, Alex Tagliani, Max Pappas, Mark Blundell, Oriol Servia, Adrian Fernandez, among those participating, Michelle Jourdain Jr. as well in this event. So a lot of names, a lot of people to, to keep in mind. And then this is what's what's the series? It's basically the series that Michelle Jordan Jr. has a partnership yeah, with Andretti it's with the in, M- in Mexico. Mexico
1: Grand Prix touring something. <laughs> Just threw a bunch of. Uh, because we were wondering like, what was it going to be like old indie cars or mm-hmm. old F1 cars? Or we were, we we're very wondering, but it sounds like it says the drivers will use equally prepared 500 HP V8 powered cars that usually take part in the Gran Turismo Mexico series. And that's the one that Michelle Jourdain is involved in with support from Andretti.
0: Yes. So think of it kind of like a, I'm going to screw this up, but like a, what, like a TC class maybe?
1: Yeah, something like that. I think, you know, we'll see some good driving, I think, from some guys that aren't used to being in those types of cars. So I don't know if it's a good promotion for IndyCar. Is it a first step into getting a race down there? I'm not really sure. It's just a good... I guess, representation of uh, some, some drivers down there. I would like to have seen more Mexican based drivers that have had experience in IndyCar being there, but at least they have Fernandez and, and Jourdain, which are two of the big ones.
0: So other names, Mario Dominguez, Roberto Gonzalez, and Luis Diaz. Uh, the last two drivers only made two series starts, but they're in the, the home race back when uh, champ car raced there between 2002 and 2007. Um, let's see. Did I mention Bruno Juncare? That's one of the other names. There you go. Uh, with this. So it's a really cool field, but it doesn't mean anything for any car. No, <laughs> probably not. No, no, but it's just a cool event. And, and basically a blast from the past, uh, with some of these drivers listed as part of the event.
1: Sure. And I would argue with below and award getting FP ones this week, it's a cool opportunity. You love to see it. Does it help IndyCar in any way? I say no.
0: I guess it does from a credibility standpoint if they show themselves well. Sure,
1: it helps, but I don't think people are going to watch FP1 or see those two drivers driving around and think, oh, I should check out IndyCar. So it's great to see. Good opportunity. Does it help sell IndyCar to any new fans or any cross-promotion? I don't think so.
0: I think I'm more bummed that Award didn't get the FP1 at Mexico. Mexico now, right. I get why the drivers got the tracks that they had. So, Palo's first IndyCar kind of open test was a Coda mm-hmm. in February of 2020 as part of what was then spring training. So, they called it with Dale Coin Racing. And then, Pato Award already ran with McLaren and the TPC program at Abu Dhabi at end of last year when. He won a race and was able to get the F1 test. That was kind of the handshake agreement yeah. he had with Zach Brown. Yep. So it makes sense why they're running at those tracks, but it is a bummer, for example, that Pato doesn't get to run at, at Coda or Mexico or both.
1: At least it's in Texas. It's close to Mexico. At least it's not at, say, Miami or even Vegas next year. So good to see that it's at least close to Mexico. Close enough, I guess. Hopefully. Maybe. Maybe. But hopefully it gets a lot of attention from Mexican media.
0: We shall see. Uh, some other notes. This more in the F1 variety with ties to IndyCar. First off, Cota will rename the final corner in honor of Mario Andretti ahead of the USGP this weekend. So that's a pretty cool deal. Do you find it
1: weird that they're naming elements of a track that Mario Andretti never raced at after Mario Andretti?
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I get like uh, you have tracks where there are corners named after other racetracks, right? And that's more normal, correct? But yeah, that that is interesting. I hadn't thought about <laughs> it like just, that. Like, yes, it's cool to have a corner at a racetrack named after you, but if you never race there, like, what's what is the point? What's
1: the history of Mario Andretti at Coda? There's nothing.
0: Uh, he ran. Like a a test there, like when it first opened, they did like yeah. a photo shoot and all. And that's true, and but that. like no but races, of that, no. no
1: wins. I don't yeah. understand. It's just kind of weird to me.
0: The the history besides that would him running the two seater yeah, for the IndyCar know, race right? weekend at Coda.
1: Uh, okay, I mean, I it's I guess cool cool nod to Mario Andretti. He just there's no element of of success or history of him at Coda. I don't know, really understand
0: it. And then, so we talked uh, last week, Mario got the testing opportunity to drive a McLaren F1 car. It was actually the 2013 MP4 28A at Laguna Seca. So there's video you can find on racer. Plus, Pato Award, this is really cool, got to drive the Senna McLaren MP4 5B at Laguna Seca as well. You can find video at both those. I mean, really cool video to see them have those opportunities.
1: Even Mario, I know it was only a nine-year-old car. Didn't it look like it was about 20 years old in terms of the Well,
0: yeah, just based on the the changes in downforce and tires and chassis and everything. I would have thought it
1: was a car straight out of 2002, not 2013. It was kind of wild.
0: You see the the cars from even like a decade ago and what they look... I mean, it's just completely different. The cars were a lot smaller. I was
1: going to say, they've gotten so big... And that's hurt the racing, and yes. that's a whole separate discussion with Formula 1. They're just so big
0: now. And then this, final note, with the tie into to IndyCar, but also F1. From Indy44, he found this. This is a Motorsport article, but in, looks like, Turkish, translated to English. Ford wants to enter F1 in collaboration with Andretti. Huh. Yeah. That is something. But they, is they, they mentioned Porsche and Audi's interest in F1. Uh Audi will enter the sport in 2026. Porsche gave up on kind of the, the deal. But Ford, an American manufacturer, makes sense. Andretti. Um, now we assume that their bid has been rejected, even though we've really heard never heard no official final right? answer, which is interesting. A lot of people thought Renault would be that team. In fact, I think Mario... Went on the record saying Renault would be that partner team for the moment. Right. But Ford, that would be quite the investment because we know Ford's not interested in IndyCar. That's been made very well That's clear.
1: That's very, very well clear. I'll wait to see it from a more reputable source. And this is a not just an American source. I'm talking in Europe or a reputable F1 source.
0: Yeah. And look, this was Motorsport, but it was not in English. And I haven't seen it anywhere in English. Motorsport Turkey. Yeah. Apparently. And and doing a search. There are a couple other articles on this, but nothing of substance. I Not guess that's how I would at put least. it.
1: I wouldn't I think every major manufacturer that's involved in motorsports today has some inkling of at least looking into Formula One because of the popularity right now and the brand recognition and all that. So wouldn't be surprised that Ford's looking into it. I would be surprised, though, if Ford went forward with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, Ford has been very U.S. focused. I guess I'd be surprised to see a sudden change like this. Likewise. A couple of notes from the mailbag. uh, Electric. What are they called? Like wheel guns? Yeah. The Those seem tire to be guns, in, yeah. in, in the works, which is good. I think that's been kind of a discussed and debated thing. Um, as far as an update on Simona Di Silvestro, uh, Marshall Pruitt's saying the Ed Carpenter and Beth Beretta working to try to grow that relationship uh, as far as expanding with Simona Di Silvestro. So, uh, did Texas Motor Speedway consult with NASCAR or IndyCar in its redesign? No, they did not. This so, is the thing with the wheel guns.
1: This is the thing with the wheel guns is people talking about, well, or can they handle the being thrown around and stuff? You would really wouldn't have to throw them around because you don't have to get the the power cord out of the way. Right? You yeah. can still hold on to it. That's yeah. the whole se- that's the whole point of throwing it is to get it out of the way of the driver, but if you can just hold it if it's not connected to anything, I don't know, that's kind of what I'm thinking may not have to throw it around
0: yeah we shall see what comes of it that was one of those where Pruitt said stay tuned on on all that but that seems to be something that is around the bend he also had a very interesting story about um this is a great. rogue, a rogue uh, fan while he was refueling and I thought it was cars. a team member no, it was like a, a, a guess.
1: Oh, it was a guess that was basically high on some sort of drug that when Marshall was fueling the car in the middle of the race, yeah, the guy came up and basically was trying to push his way into the role of fueler and with a 110-gallon bin of fuel trying to fight off Marshall Pruitt. Sounded like quite the scene.
0: Yes, he was able to fend off uh someone uh, on that but man that sounded like a handful oh man that's good stuff yeah all right time for tweets of the week and it's just one so it's tweet of the week and uh, marshall pruitt tweeted uh the seat fitting for mario andretti indycar uk the mclaren young driver test program continues that it does Perfect. That it very much does. A great reply. All right, time for our random split era driver of the week. All right, we're going to go to the IRL and
1: we'll go to the 1998 Indy Racing League. And this guy actually appeared in multiple seasons in IndyCar. And he just so happened in 1998 to be running with ISM Racing. And that was a team that ran Jeff Ward as its full-time driver. But it also ran... Rookie Steve Knapp.
0: I've heard of him.
1: Have you? Yeah. Raced in the 1998 to 2000 seasons, 13 career starts, including three in the Indianapolis 500. His best career finish was actually his first race, third place in the 98 Indianapolis 500 where he was named Rookie of the Year. Never led a lap in any of his races. And I found this interesting and I think it's dated, but pretty fascinating. He now owns and operates Elite Engines out of West Bend, which is in Minneapolis, I think and Minnesota specializing in FA FC S2 heart F2 and Mazda engines or USF 2000.
0: Now, I don't know if that's still true.
1: Not, I don't think it's still true because we're talking about Mazda, which is gone, but back to the matter is he's basically building engines, but uh, did a lot of racing. Let's see in the SCCA national championship in the eighties and nineties. And then they did the IRL 98 through 2000, actually tried to qualify for the 2001 Indianapolis 500 with both Brayton Racing and Hemelgarn Racing. Did not qualify for either. And either his final race was with Dreyer and Reinbold in 2000, a 19th place finish at Indianapolis. Had a top 10 at Laguna Seca back in 1998, and also raced in the Walt Disney World race in 1999 and finished seventh as well. The Visionaire 500K member of the race at Charlotte. Uh, this was the year before. No, this was the year of the the unfortunate event in which fans were killed during the 1999 event. Did not qualify for that race in 1999. His Indy 500 race finishes again. That third place finish to his first race in 1998 with ISM Racing. Finished 26th in '99 and then 19th in drier in 2000 with Dreyer. Ryan Bold, 13 career starts in the IRL. Mr. Steve Knapp, this week's random split era at driver of the week.
0: And the one of just three drivers to be on the lead lap named rookie of the year for the 1998 Indy 500 finish behind Eddie Cheever, the winner, and Buddy Lazier.
1: Man, third place, not too bad.
0: No. So that's this week's random split era driver of the week. No episode next week. We are off. We'll be back in two weeks to cover everything IndyCar related, which naturally means there'll be some major announcement coming up next week when I'm completely off the grid for a week.
1: (laughs) Most likely. That's always how it goes.
0: Yeah. So we shall see. For Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. Thanks for joining us on New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.